gentlemen, this is the first of two main events this evening. It is set for one fall to a finish. Introducing first the manager, the golden boy, Arnold Stolen. This match is for the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. Introducing first the challenger, weighing 321 pounds, from Venice Beach, California, the fabulous Hulk Hogan! And his opponent is evening, from Minnesota, 231 pounds, the current champion, Bob Backlund! Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. The last of the titans. In the passion and death of their struggle, the very art that had raised them to such Olympian heights was lost. Their techniques vanished. This place is going electric like a Bruce Springsteen. In a world where mediocre wrestling podcasts have run amok, there has been one that has risen above the rest. One that has answered the hard questions. One that has captured the imagination and love of the listening audience. One called the Titans of Wrestling. And this is the best of T.O.W. Featuring Parv, Kelly, Pete, and yours truly, Johnny Sorrow. Now, put your hands in your pants and get ready for an orgasm of the ears. It's the best of the Titans of Wrestling. Now we're going to move over to the Philadelphia Spectrum. And uh, for the first match, from the Isle of Malta, (sighs) Baron... (laughs) uh, Mikkel Cicluna, uh taking on our very own Dominic Danucci. Dominic, as he's become known Dominic. on this show. Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before that, I've got a little segment here, uh, which I'm calling Cal Watch, uh, because <laughs> I looked back through my notes, and basically I had based up maybe 16 different quotations from Cal Rudman throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first one isn't from this match. It's from much later on in the card. I was, um, I was looking for Super 8, <laughs> and I came across this very strange little sequence during the Rick McGraw tag that happened on this, uh, where Cal decided um, to say, out of, like, Rick McGraw was kind of beaten up after like the second fall. So Cal was like, I'm going to date Rick McGraw's girlfriend tonight because he's obviously in no shape. And then they had this whole kind of exchange where um, Dick mentions that he met McGraw's girlfriend, and then uh, Cal's like, ooh, is she a Southern Belle? And then Dick was like, she certainly is, she rang my bell. And then Cal's like, you dirty old man. And they had this very odd... I'm going to tell your wife, I'm going to tell your wife. I'm going to tell your wife. dirty old man, I'm going to tell your wife, Dick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm just kidding, guys. I got a, oh, really? We had a lovely conversation. As for uh, how she liked Philadelphia, <laughs> you tell me how. It was a very, uh, it was a very odd uh, little exchange. Um, awesome. But uh, yeah, I I thought it was awesome. Just uh, like, um, and I'm glad we didn't watch that match, guys, because it went on for about 40 minutes. So, uh, <laughs> what was the match? Um, Rick McGraw and um, I want to say. Martel, uh, Rick Martel, taking yeah. on uh, it Johnny Rods. Yeah, Rods and Estrada. <laughs> Rods and Estrada for, for wow. forty minutes. Can you imagine? If, if Johnny and I thought the Andre Ted DiBiase match went long again, he would imagine. I don't think oh, it was Lord. forty minutes. It was maybe twenty-five. Yeah. It's, lo- it's long. It's long. Still. It's long. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's long. Uh, most most 
tag teams have like a heat segment. They probably have the cricket segment. No, no, because they, they worked at best. No heat, you just hearing crickets. They worked. They worked at best two out of three fours. They, they oh, worked at best two out of three fours, and it went one one. Like uh, Rod, draw. Rod, Rod's uh, pins McGraw. Yeah. Kirby so. draw. Uh, yeah, basically. No, no. Oh. Uh, the baby faces won at the end. Okay. But they they almost went the distance, yeah. So, um, but that's what they did in those curfew matches, right? They just put like a sleeper match on while everybody leaves. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, interesting for what Dick and Carr get up to in the quiet moments. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, it, sounds, it sounds like what Cal wants to get up to with Gurria. <laughs> well, yeah, back on Cal Watch during this match. Um, First of all, they laugh about the Sicilian look that they got off Danucci. Um, so they basically start off this match giggling like schoolgirls for some reason. Um, See and that then... look? <laughs> That's that Sicilian look. He squints his eyes. <laughs> and then Carl says, um, Tony Gurria's back. He's back from uh, New Zealand, and I hear that he's as good-looking as ever. <laughs> uh, movie star. Movie star looks. Matinee <laughs> idol. Matinee idol looks. <laughs> oh, you, you, how'd you like to promote his record? How'd you like to promote his record? I'd love to, you know, promote him. I bring him along with me. Oh. And then, Oof. and then, yeah. I like <laughs> oh, I'd like him to take me. I'd rub my fingers through that hair, and he'd look at me sensually with his blue eyes, because you know, ooh, blue <laughs> eyes. And then, you know, and he just deep tongue kissed me, Dick. I'd love it. You know, as his hands <laughs> started caressing my, his muscular hands started caressing my buns. You know, right in the buns, <laughs> and uh, and then oh, then just that deep tongue, well, right, and oh, it'd be great, it'd be, oh, it'd be amazing, Dick, I'd love it. So, and then as if Cal couldn't talk any more shit than he already has in the past, like in the in the opening like three or four minutes here, he then starts moaning about how long Secluso oh. and Nucci are taking to get going. He was like, "Is this match going to go on for hours?" So he's like audibly bored now. Are they ever going to break a sweat? I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Sweat. Yeah. I'm waiting yeah. for them to break the sweat. I need sweat, Dick. <laughs> when I look at two guys in their underwear, Dick, I need sweat. God damn it. And then later... Hey, did, you see, and then, did you see the what these clowns are dressed as? They look like uh, Ralph Furley from, like, Three's Company in his senior <laughs> days. <laughs> they were wearing some pretty, uh, pretty awesome clothing. Uh, then, like, there's more. There's, there's more Carl Watch, because uh, at one point, he... Uh, he um, uh, uh, Danucci does that spot where he opens the legs and he's like spread the eagle and he got really excited about that and then there's a point where um, where there's some mat work going on and he, he just randomly starts going no 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 far 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 he starts far, like far, far, far. <laughs> he's like repeating what the workers are doing it's really odd and then uh, the uh, Fiesta Resistance I told Danucci not to eat all those hot dogs <laughs> I told Danucci not to eat all those hot dogs <laughs> so uh, yeah um, anyway, there was a wrestling match as well, so Pete, uh, talk about the wrestling. No, there wasn't. Yeah, I, I thought the match just sucked. Dick. It was horrible. Why, it why? Hot dog. I mean, it was horrible. Oh, no. Uh, good psychotic. Uh, he was working his role. They were no, working no, no, opener. No, no, no. This, is, this is like Dick. bad, bad psych- This is bad, bad, bad. It just sucked all the energy out of the, out of the audience. I mean, well, it was I, just... I, well, given the fact that people were still arriving while this is yeah. going on, I mean that's what they did, you know. I mean, well, just to just to explain what kind of happened in this match, Sakluna spent a long. Uh, aren't I? Hold on, aren't I the lead analyst? Part? Well, yeah, I thought you'd written it off. Here. Yeah, I thought you'd written it. No, off. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't gone. I. All right. I just said it sucked, and all of a sudden you start arguing about it. <laughs> all right, no, no, carry on. <laughs> okay, we start off. Yes, the Kaluna plane hide the foreign object. Um, they, 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 do these, they do these arm reversals that look like they were in slow mo, like like they did. We're trying to like take the most gingerly bump in the whole entire world. Uh, the spot of the night was Whirly steps on the parent's face and then does a quick two count for a two. And then he, not to be outdone, now Whirly's now the star of the match. He steps on uh, the Baron's <laughs> arm now for a two count. <laughs> um, the the hide the foreign object led to nothing. It was just, yeah, I don't, I think he only hit him like once or twice with the object, if if that. Uh, he, so, he did hide it in his mouth though, Pete, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, I've seen <laughs> this is uh, that doesn't make a good match. That doesn't even make a good magic trick. 
um, uh, and stuff. Uh, Danucci wins this with the backslide of Doom for the win. <laughs> Crappy match. Uh, it's typical WWF uh, opener. If it was Danucci and and it could have been Danucci and Rene Goulet, it could have been Rene Goulet and uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Johnny Rods. It, it could have been any one of them. Uh, this is just. I'm not blaming the workers. This is the WWF formula, how they opened up their house shows. Well, do, do they God, make matches stuck. deliberately bad, Pete? Is that the idea? Or like they make, like, no. The, the match, deliberately. <laughs> deliberately, but that was... The show they, can they, only they get were, better from here? So, yeah, they're so they don't upstage the main events. It's uh, they eat up time on the card, mm-hmm. give you some time, uh, get you, get, you go get your popcorn, your soda, sit down, have some beers... Watch these guys work a safe style, uh, where they're not going to take anything away from uh, who, who, why you're here to watch. Okay, Johnny, uh, any more positive? You want oh, Mr. Yeah, Positivity? Well, I am Mr. Positivity. Uh, I'm positive I heard someone yell, "Hey, Danucci, why don't you retire?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, I I am a sucker for a good hide the foreign object thing from the ref bit, but when that's fifty percent of the fucking match is, you know, they should have put the Benny Hill music on and put this in fast forward with Sakuna yeah. hiding the stick while the little bald man tries to look for him. <laughs> It would have made this so much better. Uh, Johnny, it did, just, make, it did make me laugh, though, when uh, when Sakuna uh, hid behind the ref from Danute, like he was he used yeah, the ref was, as a human shield. I thought that was quite funny. No? Uh, and, Marv, if you ever compared uh, the Baron to Jerry Lawler uh, hiding the object, uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, going I'll, to buy Britain and, and just, like, kick you out of the country. <laughs> I will fly over there and punch you in the mouth myself. Yeah. If you ever do that, by the way. Uh, and then, but yeah, that's just it. It's that. It, it, it's also their whole like, well, we, you know, these guys have been loyal to us forever. They're going to open these shows and get a paycheck. So it's not, you know, it's like hey, it's one of those nice things that they used to do actually for these guys. But holy Jesus, motherfucking Christ on a fucking pogo stick! This sucked. <laughs> just sucked ass. Okay. Uh, this is what this match is. What you go and say. Man, wrestling's fucking fake. <laughs> no, this is what when your parents would tell you. Yeah, when your parents would tell you, what the fuck are you watching this shit for? It's just a bunch of old guys pretending to fight in their underwear. And, and you go, well, yeah, yeah, sorry. That's, you know, this is the example of that. Um, <laughs> Ke- Kelly, any uh, any more positive comments? Of course. I mean, these are my guys. Danucci, Cicluna, they're the... The Flash and the Reverse Flash, the good guy and the bad guy version, you know. Um, I've There's come to flash. really... <laughs> yeah, nothing Flash okay. about Superman this. And, and Bizarro Superman or something like that. Uh, uh, is, there, yeah. is there a slow superhero and an even slower <laughs> yeah. adversary? How about... <gasps> oh, this... <laughs> I think they're being very harsh on the match, Kelly. Oh, I know. Well, they, they don't love uh, Dominic like we do part, you know, or, <laughs> or the Baron. Did they... Did... <laughs> Did you see the flick up? Danu- did you see the Did you see the flick up that Danucci did? That's agility. That's yes. agile for a man his yes. age. No, of course, objectively, yeah, this is is crap. And then there are two guys that have been wrestling for thirty years. Uh, well, maybe not that long, but twenty five or whatever. And they'd wrestled each other, remember, more times than anybody else in the history of wrestling. And the crowd in Philly had probably seen them wrestle <laughs> for years and years. And who gave a shit at this time? Nobody. Uh, Super 98 was filming the match, though, or somebody <laughs> that... So he cared. He cared. Uh, no, I mean, it's... Uh, it's, I, it's have like... keep, I, I have to keep a full documentation. Yes. My yeah. What was the last What was the last year these guys wrestled? 2006, was it, you said? <laughs> Actually, it was Imagine, only a couple You know, of that'd years. be a great movie. Imagine right. if they... At least it was here. Imagine if they hated each other this entire time. They've been married together all yeah. these years. And imagine if they really just fucking couldn't stand each other. That'd be a great movie. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's called yeah. Grumpy Old Men, the, the wrestling. <laughs> yeah, well, you will do it. I, I, yeah. And you no, old son of a bitch. You hit me with that object this time, you cocksucker. <laughs> I love you. I can't take it anymore. Then just come over here and let me disconnect my catheter and I'll show you something. Yeah. <laughs> no, this, this has become like my holy grail match because it's the two, you know, kind of most funny guys we've encountered as far as like their strange bios and, you know, <laughs> cheesiness of both guys. But Kelly, yeah, if, just... Kelly, if this is your holy grail, it's it's like the end of the <laughs> Indiana Jones when uh when the bad guy uh, <laughs> drinks out of the wrong cup. <laughs> you, you, you've chosen. He chose poorly. <laughs> I did. I did. I know. But I I love the I love the guys. I I can't help it. Um, it's it's like the anti work rate masterpiece match of all time. It's. Oh, it's the furthest. It's it's the match that made Dave Meltzer like start the whole, you know, rating system maybe or something. I don't know. The whole, I, the whole negative rating system. I, yeah. I, I I do have a strange like. First of all, I do think you've all been a little bit harsh on our boy Dominic here. It, I mean, it's not. Is it his fault that Sakuna chose to just go 100% shtick? Like, <laughs> like. Sakuna's if just... they wrestled, yeah, yeah, you know, if they wrestled together as often as they had, then this was by the numbers what they did. I mean, but this, this, I mean, is it his? Like, Sakuna's just given up any pretense of being a wrestler. This, like, he's just literally doing a comedy act here, where he just hides. I mean, he doesn't. It's not really, a comedy. It's not it's, funny. Well, I don't. Know, I laughed when he hid behind the ref. I thought it was quite childish when he put the foreign object in his mouth. Uh, there was a. I, I laughed when um, they did a kind of comedy spot where um, Danucci was punching the Baron in the face, like, and he'd, his face would pop up and he'd punch his face back down. Um, there was an amazing moment when Danucci had the Baron in a spinning toehold and somebody threw a piece of rubbish into the ring. Um, <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> You know that, that that's called put that's called putting garbage where it belongs uh, with the rest of the garbage. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I thought Danucci did his parts of the match well, and that and the Baron was has just be, had just become a phenomenally lazy worker by this point in his career. Yes, uh, that's a good assessment. I think. Um, that's fine. I mean, if you don't want to blame Danucci, we're not. I mean, not that we're splitting hairs, but the match sucked. <laughs> yeah, maybe I mean, I, uh, maybe up, the maybe first time. To, Maybe the first time these guys got together, you know, 50 years earlier, they really went out there and, you know, tore the house down. And now, you know, this is what they do. And they, it, it's, it ain't good, but it's not supposed to be. It's exactly yeah. that. It's buy your popcorn, get in your seats. There's, look, wrestling's going on. It's just the way they did it back then. You Can know? you imagine, like... I, I, I just still can't believe, Parv, you're trying to give Danucci a pardon. I just... Well, because uh, what did he do that was bad? No, I don't think I mean, Danucci was too bad. I mean, he wasn't it's horrible, but it, but it just, it just is, what did he do that was funny. bad? It, it was, it wasn't that it was bad. Is that it was in slow motion because he's ancient? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those are armor reversals. That had, that was plenty of Dominic in those two. Those. Uh, things. I'm just I trying think. to. I'm just trying to imagine the conversation that Skluna had with like I don't know. He got him to his wife. What did you do? What did you do in work today, uh, dear? And he's like, uh, yeah, um, so this is my job. I go out and I <laughs> pretend to hide a foreign object for six minutes and then get pinned. Like, oh, there's, it's, like that's his job. It's very odd to think about, like, what he does for a living and, like, what his life would become by this point. I think, uh, I think there's, like, he, he a, did a lot of that in that match we saw when we started doing this. I think I think there's an interesting, like a tragic biopic waiting to be made of Baron Sakluna's life. He's earning like, a paycheck for earning a paycheck for doing bad sleight of hand uh, <laughs> in front of he's, he's in front of twenty thousand people, whatever twenty thousand people, you know, and, and Dick Worley, who who is getting fooled by it every time, like oh you wascally wabbit, I cool, you know. <laughs> where I have to step on your head just because yeah, I know you're cheating, but I can't see it. Trapped, trapped inside this aging, lazy worker that we see is a is a struggling artiste waiting to get out. Yes. I want to say. <laughs> All I know is the soundbite I'm taking away from this show is Parv going, but Pete, did you see him put, put the foreign object in his mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's quite, quite a good spot. 
I'm bad. <laughs> you know, Cal, you know, Tony Gurria being from New Zealand, Cal would like to have Tony Gurria's foreign object in his mouth, uh, apparently, by the beginning of this. What was going on at the beginning of this match? <laughs> and, having, and having Cal and Dick on this actually made the match better because it sucked so bad. It was entertaining. Please have bad commentating. I do think yeah. Cal was in a horny mood that night because he kept on doing, like, he kept on saying, he kept on trying to, like, uh, he was definitely had sex on his mind, I reckon. And especially Rick McGraw's wife, the, the, the Southern Belle. Mm. <laughs> I don't think there's too many Cicluna and Danucci matches left, anyways. <laughs> when does Danucci yep. actually leave? Because he. Cause he I know he goes and works for that like upstart company, doesn't he? Yeah, eighty two. Eighty two, right? Yeah. Um, actually, on the next uh, MSG show, that one we're going to do, there is uh, Cicluna versus Rick Martel, so <laughs> uh, that'll probably yeah. be better than Cicluna Dinucci. Hopefully. Well, we'll be able to see if it's just as bad. It's definitely Cicluna's fault. <laughs> oh, it's definitely Cicluna's fault. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> There's just a man who's like given up on life, basically. Ah, <laughs> uh, he had his. I mean, it was a job for these guys. They weren't exactly, you know, some of them. You know, had... like you know, like in you know, like in any job, right? Where you've got like, um, there are some guys who are just clocking in. Yeah, so he was... oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's that's... yeah. He probably doesn't even change his uh, his, his uh, trunks. He probably sleeps in them. And... <laughs> And then it shows up in the match. Oh, that's a great, great quote. <laughs> the mental image that came with that is just. Oh, time to go to the to, to the uh, ring or to the state arena again. Just he rolls, rolls out, out of bed and is whitey tidy. Five <laughs> minutes before the card starts. <laughs> Doesn't even brush. No shower for the Baron. <laughs> They're, they're, they're kind of like they're, they're kind of like uh, Sakuna and uh, I know we brought this up before I think, but uh, Sakuna and uh, they're like uh, that Warner Brothers thing with the sheep wolf and the wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, punch in at the beginning of the night. Howdy, Ralph. <laughs> and, uh, except except their work rate was much better and far more. Their psychology was, yeah. <laughs> was a lot better. <laughs> I uh, punched you in, Sam. Well, uh, gee, uh, thanks a lot, Ralph. Let's move on then. Uh, this is uh, June, June, man. We're almost halfway through the year now. June the 14th. That's about as uh, halfway through a year as you can get. It's uh, <laughs> Harley Race taking on. Is it any wonder that you teach at a university? <laughs> <laughs> What? Uh, halfway? Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. June is halfway through the year. Wow. That's... Write that down. Isn't it? Isn't it halfway? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, and and, uh, and uh, month has got thirty days, so fourteen is about halfway through the month. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's Harley Race taking on one of the all-time Hall of Jobber Hall of Fame men. <laughs> Frank Williams, and, uh, well, Kelly's been probably waiting to do this for about three, four months now. So. <laughs> I think Ke- Kelly has been shot. I think this whole show, uh, I've noticed that Kelly's kind of been, like, you know, staying in the background because he knows he's a, he, he is about to blow his load uh, all over the Titans of wrestling. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been hearing right him, Frank Williams this, Frank Williams that, little lenses here and there. Uh, uh huh. Uh-huh. Trying to make it, make it the make it the the main event of the show. That's yeah, right. part of the base... and put it at the end. Yeah, basically, basically <laughs> where, where he he was getting fluffed. He was getting fluffed for a while, and now here oh here it comes, honey. Step out, step Kelly, over, the, the, step the over, Rusty Jones. Oh, I want to say. Okay. Step over S.D. Jones, step over Iron Mike Sharp, because Frank Williams is in the building. Take it away, Kelly. Yeah, Frank, Frankie. Um, Definitely, yeah, one of the more memorable jobbers. He has, you know, like the quintessential dictionary definition of a jobber look, where you look at him and you say, 
yeah, this guy just has got to be horrible. He couldn't have won any matches. And, you know, he, he won a few, as we always check when I see and I go through the, the stats. You know, there, I've never found a guy yet that hasn't won at least one match. Or no, I did, but he only had, I think, 11 matches, so that barely counts. So he was uh, born uh, February 20th, 1940, and he was born Armando Raymond Pumareo. Um, I'm assuming that's uh, Spanish. Um, he was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, <laughs> not Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> um he got into wrestling. The earliest date I could find on him was, fittingly enough, April Fool's Day, um, 1976. <laughs> <laughs> so that would have made him 36 years old um, when yeah. he got into wrestling. I know, but there was nothing else before. Um, that's not to say that it, it, he couldn't have been wrestling before um, in somewhere, you know. Even back in the 70s, you had small, small promotions, like indie promotions, basically, in the Northeast, I know for sure they had like, So, but who knows, maybe he, you know, bounced into wrestling somehow at the age of 36. Who knows? Maybe he was, working, maybe he was working in a factory in Ohio, and he decided <laughs> it was time, you know, yeah, to follow time. that dream. <laughs> follow that dream. But anyway, so yeah, very late bloomer, or I don't know if you could call him a late... <laughs> late <laughs> A late entrance into the, the professional wrestling. Um, his first match, uh, the the April Fool's Day match, he lost to Skandar Akbar. In, and this was uh, in New York, WWWF, Sunnyside Gardens in New York City. Um, later that month at uh, MSG, he lost to Ric Flair. Um, one of the, no, that was the second match Flair wrestled that year um, in, in, at uh, Madison Square Garden. Um before 1991, those would have been uh, Flair's only two appearances for uh, a McMahon family wrestling promotion. Um, yeah, his record is what you would expect. Of the 498 recorded matches, he, he won 33. He had 18 draws, and he had 401 defeats. Um, so that percentage is, is quite low. Um, now, I... I, I talked about earlier how I wanted to get into into jobbers and I've become you know quite immersed in, in jobbers <laughs> so I'm, be, I'm becoming an expert um, and the guys that Williams beat in matches were um, what I, I, I've coined I don't know if I've coined it yeah I've coined it pure jobbers um, because they don't even have um, profiles names. on these match statistics. They have names, but you can't click on their <laughs> So they are the purest of the job. They're so obscure, there's not even a record of them. Um, Stan loved us. Frank Williams beat him. You beat Ted Adams. You beat Al Palmer. I, I want to find these guys. And someday I will. Um, <laughs> the pure jobs. I mean, Frank Williams, you know, Johnny Rods, they're the, the famous jobbers, but the, they're not pure jobbers. Because I don't know, did those guys even win a match? I don't know. You know, it's it's an amazing phenomenon that I've discovered going through all these records. Anyway, um, most of Frankie's wins came in the 70s. Uh, after 1980, he only had one one win for the rest of his career, which uh, went to the end of 1985. And that one win was May 5th, 1982, against Mac Rivera, who uh, also wrestled as uh, Jose Luis Rivera, and uh, eventually became, yes, Conquistador Dos, I guess, to uh, Estrada's Conquistador Uno. Um, and uh, here's an interesting match, uh, well, we'll find it interesting, um, that I discovered. Um, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it may be a contender for worst match of all time. Um, it, it wasn't filmed. We'll never know for certain. But uh, Frank Williams versus Moose Monroe on uh, November 29th, 1978, 20-minute draw. In oh. <laughs> Moose. Oh. That, hey. that, 
that could have been. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Moose. He, he didn't look too good, uh, from what I remember. So well, that's a main. That, that's a main event. Twenty minutes, Jess. <laughs> Bang or main? <laughs> it definitely was. Um, so yeah, Williams lost to everybody. Wait wait, 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 wait. What year was that? What year was that? That was seventy-eight, November twenty-ninth. Banger Maine, isn't that the promotion that Vince Sr. sent Vinny Jr. up to to say yeah. if you can work draw up there? So Vince Jr. earned his way into the business with a 20-minute draw of Frank Williams versus Moose. Yeah. It might be That's a lost classic for all we know. <laughs> his booking genius. Um, yeah, no, that was his town. That was the town. I believe it was the furthest outpost away in 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 the territory, basically. Um, and actually, Vince uh, Jr. eventually owned the the arena there, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, and promoted rock concerts. He owned a hockey team briefly. Oh no, that was in Cape Cod. Sorry. Um, anyway, yeah, Williams. He he basically, if you look at his records, he would lose to a face one night, lose to a heel the next. Wasn't you know there wasn't really uh, any rhyme or reason. He just lost. Um, he was the original Shades of Grey. <laughs> but of course, you know his career high point, if you want to call it that, um, happened uh, March twenty seventh, nineteen eighty four. It was <laughs> the day it was taped in Allentown, Piper's Pit. Um, it aired April fourteenth, nineteen eighty four. Um, this one, you know, I saw originally it was a Coliseum tape, like uh, we always go back to, Roddy Piper's Greatest Hits, um, which had, you know, several of his most famous Piper's Pits on it. And, you know, this one uh, will be forever, you know, a memory I'll never forget, because, you know, first of all, it was it was weird, because I'd seen other Piper's Pits where he had Snook on, of course, and the Coconut, and Andre the Giant, and later on, you know, Hulk Hogan and stuff, but just to, the fact that he had like this job guy on a Piper's Pit was, it was amazing. Like, and he was—they were actually going out of their way to actually kind of give this guy a personality. And of course, it turns into like you know, it was very violent. I mean, it was—it was Piper just unloads on the guy. Of course, he, uh, Williams doesn't come off looking too well um, with the few uh, lines he does get to say. Um, so it's it's very comical, Johnny. Do you want to maybe provide a, a okay? It's it's the it's it's the uh, it's the second greatest Piper's Pit of all time. First being <laughs> Stuck in the Coconut, Stuck yeah. in the Coconut is number one. This is the second greatest Piper's Pit of all time, and uh, Piper's whole thing is that he's exasperated that this is the guest they booked for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, he's like. So, you know, I, I've never lost a match. I never lost a match. But you, you've never, <laughs> you've, have you ever won a match? Have, have you ever won? I go out there, I do my best. I try my best every single time. <laughs> you try your best. <laughs> you, you, try, uh, you, you try your best. Yeah. And then and Piper starts to insult the and he grabs the mic from Piper. Don't you insult me? I always thought he was Italian. Yeah. Antonio, he's like, like, boom! And Piper beats him unmercifully. He beats him <laughs> like he owes him money. And yeah. then turns around, and that's when he's like, just when I think they've got the answers, I change the questions. Yeah, so one of the great it's, it's, But he's like, Antonio, and when he grabs the mic from Piper, you're like, oh no, poor little man. I watched this live, well, not, not live, but you know, when it aired <laughs> on Saturday morning, and just laughed my ass off, yeah, uncontrollably. And I'm th- 13 at the times, so, you know. And so I'm, I'm, still, I'm in that middle period of kayfabe and not kayfabe. And I'm like, he just beat the shit out of that loser. I love Roddy Piper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's one of Piper's, you know, highlights of his career for sure. But everyone remembered. But that's the same. Yeah. If Frank Williams hadn't been. Frank Williams. <laughs> no one would remember that. His like his accent, the the the, the bad mic thing, him looking yeah. like the way he looked. And yeah. I mean, he brought as if that had been if that had been uh, Jose Luis Rivera, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. And it just it worked because it was Frankie Williams. So yeah, yeah. it was perfect. It, yeah. I, I I just pulled up the um. There's somebody on on the internet has transcribed this entire thing. 
So, and I'm just, oh. uh, and, uh, I'm just seeing some of the stuff uh. that Piper says to him. He says things like, um, maybe you should oh, be, maybe you should be making pizzas. He says to him. Yeah, um, that's why I thought he was Italian. And, okay. and then, and then this is the, this is the, this is the bit here. He says, um, Piper says, you've got no room for nobody. That's a wonderful thing. You've got no room for nobody, but you're a lousy wrestler. It's as simple as that, man. Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Williams. I might be a lousy wrestler. Yeah, that's <laughs> so he, he basically gets him to admit that he's that he's a lousy wrestler. Well, you know, he's realistic. He's yeah, a, the records. I might be a lousy wrestler, but I'm still in there. I'm not afraid of nobody. <laughs> and then, uh, and then unleash hell. <laughs> oh man, he's oh, got wait, you just you just wait, wait. This is this is the fiber. Oh, I've never lost a match in my whole career. I've had different things happen to me, but I've never actually lost a match because I figured that once you were defeated one time, then it would take that oomph away from you that you needed yourself. You know, oh, he's the fucking. I mean, he was so he was on so much. He was like Tony Montana, and he had a Scarface. How <laughs> much fucking coke he? Coke he was on before this promo. I'm interviewing who? Is this some? Is this what you call a burial? Is this an actual burial, would you say? No, it's Frankie no, Williams. not at all. Yeah, it's Frankie I'm Williams. getting buried with above ground. It's like throwing dirt. It's like throwing dirt on a graveyard. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it gave it is, is at least he'll be forever remembered for something. Um, and and he gets residuals gorgeous. to this day often, I'm sure, you know? Well, if that, if he was still alive, yes. <laughs> he, oh, he's dead? My bad, I wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> I'll quickly finish up Frankie Williams' story. His, his last match that I could find was um, uh, December 17th, 1985, losing to Johnny's boy Don Morocco in Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, he died April 23rd, 1991. Um, so he was only 51 years old, and he has a Facebook page um, <laughs> that somebody's made up. Uh, you should check it out because <laughs> he, he he does like someone is like doing like an impression of him, right? And then like sort of uh, answering questions from people, and yeah, I think they gave up. <laughs> they gave up about a year ago, but they kept it going for a couple of years at least. Uh, <laughs> So his memory lives on. Frank Williams, we salute you on Titans of Wrestling. Yes, sir. Yet, yet another unfortunate wrestling death. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't find notice. I looked in the observers from the time, and I couldn't find a single note by Meltzer. Noted, uh, really? You'd think? Yeah. It, maybe it would have been, you know, I'm thinking something that he died and, and probably news maybe because he wasn't part of the business anymore. Maybe didn't get out for several months because I only checked like, like <laughs> weeks around. He's like, he's like Frank Grimes on The Simpsons. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Maybe it's just in the latest Observer. Pete, you'll have to tell us that Meltzer finally <laughs> found out Frank Williams died 22 years ago. <laughs> uh, well, one thing I do like because you know I said that I love the, the look, you know the look of a pure jobber, like, not pure jobber. A, a jobber of the ilk of Frank Williams. Sorry, I don't want to smear. Yeah, there you go. Get your terminology right. I got to get my terms right. But uh, Frank Williams has got like the body of like a middle-aged woman. That's why he's it's like he's got the look of like you know he wears that horrible like those. I don't know. He's got the, the, the perfect look for a job. Like even his face. What kind of middle-aged women are you hanging around with? <laughs> uh. driving
Philadelphia Spectrum now, and this is Hulk Hogan again. Um, yep. This is April twelfth, and he's taking on Bob Backlund for the WF title. Um, so he's been he's been built to this point now where he's able to take on Backlund for the title. And just a couple of notes going into this uh, into this match. Um, first of all. Uh, We've got the Spectrum commentators for this match. Ah, oh, yes. And that is, uh, is it Dick uh, Graham? Dick and, Graham. Yeah. Cal Rudman. And Cal Rudman. Um, and these two are quite the pairing. I think this is the first time we've got them together um, without vi- no Vince. Um, and uh, they mention a couple of things going into this. So, um, first of all, they say that um, they, they talk about Hogan's weight. They say that he yeah. would. He originally weighed 220 pounds, and now... But 300. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry, 320 pounds, and now he's gone to 305 pounds without even meaning to. One of them says, say, it's that puppy fat, see? He's baby, baby fat. It's yeah. baby fat. <laughs> it's baby, baby fat, yeah. Well, I was talking... I, well, you know, I was talking to the Hulk backstage. Uh, he was telling me that uh, being on the road, the way he is, it's hard for him to keep his weight up. And, uh, it's... It, it's you know, <laughs> So awesome! This um, match, I, I am, I, I literally, literally, uh, have a page and a half of notes uh, on uh, just Cal. Hold, hold on now, Johnny. So, <laughs> I, I, another thing they do is they talk about Backlund's football career in North oh, yeah. North Dakota, and that he made a TV appearance in 1971. Yep. Oh, um, and they said that a lot of people knew Backlund from that TV appearance. Right. Um, and the other thing they know, they know. Is that Dick? Is that Johnny's nemesis here, Dick Worley? Yeah, just got out of the hospital. Has just been in hospital, and he's still working this match. You hear that, James? He just got out of hospital. He's still, he's still he's working. working. <laughs> and I hate him. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, Pete, what do you make of this one? Well, we all we, we clearly know that James is no Dick Worley, so we've <laughs> we've learned that right off the bat. <laughs> okay. I he, better hope like... he, he better hope his doctor's not uh, Dick Worley because he's getting him the fast count before he pulls the plug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really like this match a lot. I would uh, I would probably classify it as like a three and a half star match. Uh, I thought the early portions are really good. You see back uh, Hulk. We see Backlund getting over Hogan's strange, showing that he's a monster. Then on the flip side, there's that we saw that Hulk is, uh, was getting over, but Bob has uh, this, the superior speed of the match. So we were trying to show the two the dichotomy of of the monster versus the, versus Matt Bob, who's, who's has the speed on his side. We we see some amateur stuff on the mat to start, which is not something you normally see in a Hulk Hogan match. But it was, it was real quick and kind of neat. You got the two leg sweeps by Bob, which is a spot I'm really beginning to really enjoy out of him because it just shows, hey, look how good I am on the mat. I'm Mr. Amateur. Uh, they do a good job, a good job building to the uh, to the moment of the test of strength, where you know they don't go right into it, but they they tease it and go to it. And of course, Hogan gets the best of it. But uh, Backlund uh, gets escapes with a nice little Billy Robinson esque uh, escape. Uh, Backlund uses Pyro's favorite move, the headlock, and <laughs> begins to crank it. Uh, we get another, we get some little hopes, a little high spot with that, and they do a real good job of going back to the headlock, hitting a high spot. Working the headlock, going back to high spots, so they keep it pretty interesting. Where you're not just sitting and seeing him sit in the headlock for four minutes. They're usually doing like a minute of a spot, do a high spot for a minute, then back to the headlock. Bob keeps things interesting by mixing in. Like I just said, that I uh, loved how uh, Bob. Uh, uh, they do the double shoulder block on Hulk. Uh, first, he shoulder blocks Hulk, and they go nowhere. And then Hulk's hulking up, ready for it to come again. But Bob slides underneath, ducks, and they actually does a nice little roll-up, which I thought was really cool, really smart on Bob, showing again how showing the, the speed advantage. Again, Bob keeps things interesting by mixing up the high spots with the headlocks. Hogan counters to the backbreaker. 
uh, with a with a uh, goes for the backbreaker and stuff. Follows up with stomps to the back. Uh, stands uh, he stampedes Bob into the uh, post. Uh, a nice backbreaker by Hulk. Hulk and uh, uh, f- his work uh, starts focusing his work on Bob's back, so we're kind of seeing it. But then Hogan switches to an armbar, which kind of I thought was a little weird because I thought he was really doing a good job of focusing on Bob's back. Uh, uh, Bobby's case, Bob counters the armbar with a nice, uh, a nice little uh, body slam. Uh, Hogan still has the arm though. Afterwards, Bob uses some uh, forearms and escapes with the shoulder block. Hogan uh, puts on a, a, a key lock, which is kind of interesting out of Hulk. You don't think that'd be in his arsenal. Uh, but, which, but the thing that was really amazing, Bob does, Bob does his arm, does, oh. his dead, does, does the dead weight, one arm deadlift mm. on Hulk. I mean, that is impressive. Even though Hulk's helping him, it is freaking impressive. Yeah. Um, we go back, Hulk with a bear hug. He works on the back. Nice pile driver escape. Both battle. Uh with this Bob with it and it's just it's really good stuff and uh, I, I like the airplane spin by Hulk and I love how both men sell it um, uh, it was really interesting and uh, you know Hulk wins with the count out which I you know sets up more rematches and this is stage one and I thought I thought they worked a really smart match here and uh, I want to say this is a, a Bob I don't want to say it's a Bob carry job because but it was definitely a Bob Backlund match but oh, which which Hulk was game for? But it was definitely a, a Formula Bob type of match that we've we've seen, and but with Hulk who has more charisma is and is bigger than than like back than like Duncan, and we actually did this match just made more sense than those other ones. So good job, Johnny. Uh, I love this match so much. I've got like two and a half pages of notes that look like Hunter S. Thompson wrote them. Because uh, <laughs> it was last night after. <clears throat> but my favorite thing, Dick Graham and Cal Rubin. Holy shit. I, I'm in love with this announced team. <laughs> I, I just love the baby. Fa- I love uh, Ring of Honor, Bob Backlund, trying to shake hands with Hogan uh, to start with. And the crowd's going nuts. And goes, it's like a Bruce Springsteen concert in here. Minus the big black fella. The saxophone. Or music, uh, I love. He's talking about Bob Backlund being a great humanitarian. He's like, he, he, uh, you know, he, you know, he loves to go see the kids, Dick. And he's like, yeah, he's a great humanitarian. Because like, <laughs> human, really, I mean, he's a humanitarian. Bob Backlund, Mother Teresa, yeah. It, and I love. It. He's like, because while the matches start now and they're feeling each other out, and it's really cool. They're just talking whatever the fuck comes into their heads. He's like, I was talking to Hulk Hogan's lady friend uh, from up in Florida. We were talking about the weather, how, you know, she uh, you was enjoying the weather down there, and the weather's a little different up here. <laughs> yeah, well, she's, she's probably out there in, in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Dick did just get out of the hospital. He's like, what the <laughs> fuck are these guys talking about? But I love it. It just, it sounded like two legitimate sports announcers who are having to do wrestling and deciding to get drunk and just have some fun uh, with it. And it's all real sports. They, they, they don't sound like they sound like baseball announcers. When baseball, when a baseball game is moving slow, and you got like Tim McCarver and them all talking, well, you know, and then they just talk about whatever to fill the time. <laughs> That's what they were doing. They think uh, it's, I think they think it's a shoot. I really do. The way they are acting, they can't possibly. Well, this is fixed. Well, except for the fact that one is, hey, you get the feeling someday Hogan's gonna be world uh, world champion. Yeah, and I love that line. And then the guy, and the other one goes, uh, well, man, uh, not tonight. <laughs> like, oh, really? Thanks. I'll just turn it off now. That's that's fucking great. Uh, I, I I love. Uh, he's talking about Bob. Backlund, how much he loves his wife and daughter. Uh, well, apparently not. Uh, he, uh, he's like, yeah, he, no, he, goes, he goes, he loves that little girl of his. And I was like, wow, WWF talking about guys being married back then. Never really happened. Uh, and uh, he's like, he loves his daughter, and she's just, she's not, and he goes, you know, he loves his wife, too. Oh, yeah, 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 he sure does. Uh, except for then later on, he goes, you know, when Bob gets off the road, he doesn't go to his wife first. He goes to the gym. He goes to the gym first. 
You know, <laughs> but you know, she understands. So I was like, really? Uh, I want more sordid Bob Backlund sex stories right now. When I go, oh, when I get off the road, the first thing I do, you know, that's the first thing I do, you know, is I got to go to the gym and make sure that I'm in the best <laughs> possible physical condition that I can possibly be, Vince, you know, because I, you know, and then, and then, and only then do I take care of my wife's uh, marital needs uh, in, in the back of the uh, marital bed. And then that's, that's what I do. And I'll be, do my best. Uh, <laughs> then, <laughs> uh, and it looked like you looked at the crowd. Chicks are going crazy for Bob Backlund, and old Dagos are just sitting there, sitting on their hands, waiting for the Bruno match. Uh, it's fucking hilarious. Uh, Bob, trying to lift up Hogan, gets him in the taint claw for a good 30 seconds. I mean, that, I call it the Barnett. It's like, he's, he's, he's right up in there, you know, checking Hulk's, Hulk's prostate for a second. Uh, <laughs> Hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and he's one man in five million. That's the equation that Cal came up with. <laughs> that strongman lift of Hogan. Oh goddamn, that was so cool. And uh, like I said, I've got I've loved this match like a like a child I never had. Uh, Hogan's doing his working, uh, and then Cal gives this line. He's like, he's in there taking it. Like no man has ever took it ever. It's like ooh, 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 in the ring. I love Backlund's desperation pile driver. That was so cool yeah. the way he set that up. I mean, he's he was being held by Hogan and he desperately positions him into a pile driver. That was awesome. Boom. And then there's a, hey, the ring came two feet off the floor. I was like, I want to smoke when Cal's smoking to see the <laughs> ring go two feet off the floor. Like it's a, in the crowd's nuts. So like a Bruce Springsteen concert. Uh, and then he goes, uh, look at Dick Worley. He looks like he can't believe it. I'm looking at Dick Worley. He don't look any different than fucking Dick Worley ever fucking looks. Just I'm bored and I'm gonna do a fucking fast count and fuck you. And the the airplane spin spot to that and Bob teaches him a lesson by giving him a spin on the outside, but Hogan gets in kinda Gary Michael Capetta explaining the rules. Twenty-nine minutes of Hogan Backlund, and I love this, but my favorite, favorite thing of Cal. And I prepared this. I did some prep work actually. Was him saying that that no matter what. Bob Backlund isn't just leaps ahead of Hulk Hogan. He's quantum leaps ahead of Hulk Hogan, which immediately made me <clears throat> theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime after being pushed aside for Hulk Hogan, who he had beaten in 1980. WWF former champion Bob Backlund stepped into the quantum leap accelerator and vanished. He woke to find himself trapped in the past facing mirror images of wrestlers that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Captain Louis Albano, an observer from his own time who appears in the form of a fat hologram that only Bob can see and hear. And so, Mr. Bob Backlund finds himself leaping from ring to ring, striving to put right what was once wrong and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap back to Madison Square Garden. Oh God! Tap out now. That was fucking awesome. Oh boy, right? Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, par, par with the oh boy. Thank you. <laughs> no, that that was uh, one of the better uh, match reviews we've ever had. Um, Kelly, it's up to you to follow that one. Oh well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't follow Johnny. <laughs> I'm stuck in the spot. What can I do, man? I'm uh, anyway. Um, I think most of the praise has been covered, and, and that was a batshit crazy review. Johnny, that was wicked. Um, <laughs> this match was awesome. Trust me, the other I, stuff I th- on this, I, I'm, I'm not anywhere near as excited about. So it's all yours. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks. I'd seen this match before. <laughs> I'd seen this before, and it's, it's, it's really good. This must be one of uh, Hogan's longest career matches. Uh, I can't think of too many that went over you know, a half hour, um, but you, you probably in Japan or something, but anyway, this was, yeah, really good. The ending stretch was awesome. Uh, the crowd, you know, was into everything. The pile driver out of the bear hug spot was so cool. Uh, oh. the suplex, 
the suplex that Bob gives Hogan. Oh, that was like right. the yeah. greatest vertical suplex in the history of wrestling, I believe. Like the, that was because they built to that moment. Like these matches are so great at at not wasting anything. You know, sure the 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 initial 10, 15 minutes could be slow working holds. But then that means like the moves that they do later in the match actually mean something, and that meant something. Like the crowd like gasped when he lifted Hogan up. Oh like, right, that I, was how I, you I, do fucking suplex. I had this in here: the biggest pop for a suplex I've ever seen. You know. That, yeah, exactly. And I popped too. And I'd, yeah. I've seen like a bazillion suplexes, but this was that was like a, a that was unbelievable. Um, the airplane spins at the end, trading them like that's so cool. Um, yeah, this was a really fun match and, um, I'll try and redeem James this time around with his comment. Sorry about the last one, James. I, I, I didn't think that would uh, sound like it did when I read it. it. It looked better on paper. Anyway, this one I think is a gem and here, uh, here it is. Quote, I made a conscious effort here not to scan the crowd for super eight and super 800. It will be a sad, sad day when super eight no longer appears in the crowd. Gotta assume the Philly PD will eventually discover what's buried in his crawl space. And that's James. <laughs> and he liked this match too a lot. Um, well, uh, I think everybody. So, you know, Super 8 actually uh, ended up being the guy in, from the movie Fame who's filming Coco. Uh, uh, go ahead, take it off, Coco. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't cry. Don't cry. I think everything's been covered with this match, really. But I mean, my my, uh, my only comment here is that this this was real. This really felt like a kind of clash of the titans. You know, this is you know the uh, the immovable was it the irresistible force taking on the the uh, the immovable object, right? They're literally hanging from the rafters, Parv. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it really did feel like that. It's like where where are they gonna go with this? Hogan's unbeatable. Backlund's unbeatable. And uh, yeah. there was this real feeling that like shit. Backlund's not giving Hogan anything here. You know, um, they like in the early part of the match, Hogan did all of his usual shit and Backlund was having absolutely none of it. And it was like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Um, yeah. And then you had this, uh, as, as Kelly was saying, you know, this the pile driver, the suplex, the suplex, the airplane spin, the airplane spin. It was like, it was almost like those uh, modern WWE matches I'm not so fond of where people are hitting their finishers left and right and you're getting the near falls, but done in a way that is really compelling, I thought. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed this. It was kind of like, a, a, it was almost like the closest thing that we've seen to a modern WWE main event match, if that makes any sense. Um, one thing that none of you mentioned, which I'm a little bit surprised at, is that um, at the end of this match, uh, Gary Michael Capetta announces that the belt is not going to change hands. And yeah, Hogan yeah. goes and threatens him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, one of the commentators says, um, well, he's lucky because uh, Gary's got a mean left hook on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, it was quite funny to see Capetta bail, though, because he was wearing his... Uh, his usual kind of pimp pimp outfit here. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this was a great, this was a really, really interesting match to watch. Um, kind of a dream match, really, on paper, you'd have to say. Um, and even for this time, I thought it was kind of like, this is not a normal challenger for Backland. You know, this isn't, this isn't Bobby Duncan. This is a proper challenge here. And it was yeah they 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 played it like two juggernauts going head to head. I thought it was great. And Hogan and you know and you, and it was a huge carry job by Backlund here. I mean Hogan was green as grass still. You know, and he's he good. He's yeah, good, grass. but he didn't look. I mean he was he he, I mean, he I mean he looked great, but you know this is Backlund uh, you know calling the shots in this one. Normally they say the heel calls the match. I seriously doubt it in this case in this one. And. Uh, Bob had to have been calling because he called a smart fucking match. Yeah. I mean, just with everything, uh, just it was just well done. Was yeah, and, and, and Pete, you and I have talked before about like I said, the backland seems to carry matches from on top, which is really weird. And um, he did the same thing again. He was almost like, "Fuck you, Hogan. I'm you're not going to get anything here until I say you're going to get it." Um, you know, if he was calling the match, he was basically doing it in a way where he was saying, yeah. um, "Look, you're going to have to earn." And anything you get, anything that you're going to get out of me, 
is going to be earned here in this match. And he Which is re- the right way to do it. It was good. It was really good. It was compelling. It was a totally very compelling story. So yeah, because at the time Hulk was still this young guy, and Bob Baggett is established. So yeah. you better fucking you, you got, when Bob when he did the Hogan did his spot where he puts Baglin on the turnbuckle, you know, yeah. like uh, ha ha, and Baglin just pops him, you know, just like okay, fucker, you know, you're dealing with a champ now. This ain't this ain't <laughs> fucking uh, you know. Tito. Yeah, there was there was a moment. I mean, the, the, the... it ain't Harry Henry Valdez. Yeah, it ain't Henry. <laughs> it ain't those, those two landscapers. I mean, I mean, uh, the the comment that, that Dick and Cal there, they were pretty much marking out for that moment because uh, he he, oh, yeah. he carried Hogan, carried like the three hundred pound Hogan onto the turnbuckle, and then slapped him in the face. It's like, yeah. come on, and that was like and that was like ten minutes after or more when Hogan did it. To put Backlund on top, you know, and the, the, so the callback to that spot, you know, the, the, so this match was so fun, so much fun, and so well done. Yeah, no, yeah. Dude, re- really, really good. And I, I, I'm wondering, you know, I mean, as much as I've dogged on, I, I, I guess I've been the person who's been down on Backlund. Has, has Hogan got a match as champion like this one, where he's basically carrying a contender to a really, really Compelling match in this way. Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. oh, well, there you go. There you go. The Warrior. Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, I, but yeah. I, 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 I guess I, isn't Ultimate Warrior a match that is really laid out by Pat Patterson type thing? Well, yeah, that's what we all think. I mean, uh, but I mean, it's still Hogan's in there. He's he's definitely the little ringleader. I mean, you're sure now ain't yeah. pressing Warrior to to call the spots in the match and feel the crowd out. I mean, it was laid out, but I mean, somebody had to been directing the traffic inside the ring. Sure. Okay. No, I, I'll, I'll accept that. I'm not, I'm not a guy who's down Hogan anyway. I, I, I think he's underrated if anything, but I just wanted to put that question out there because this is probably one of the best backland performances we've seen so far in my mind, at least. And the amazingly hot crowd just, is the cherry on the top of the Sunday? You know, just... Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. the, the, the Philly crowd's not going to let you down. Um, no. So, well, speaking now, of. Uh, cool. Uh, uh, does anyone remember? Do you guys know who Cal Redman's favorite wrestler is? Uh, Morocco, oh. right? It's Morocco. Yeah. And it's borderline. Yeah. <laughs> not even borderline oh. creepy. It is creepy. He loves guys... him, so Morocco. Yeah, do you guys remember years ago somebody it was like I don't know if they made the comp, but they were thinking about doing it of Cal Redman is gay, uh, and it was doing to do all this gay <laughs> Which I think would have been sick. Lassie <laughs> uh uh went long. I can't imagine the commentary on this thing, I think. Holy shit. Does anyone know um why Vince stopped like going to uh, Spectrum shows? Like, when did these guys come in, Dick and Cal? I think this was actually the first one where there it was both of them. Actually, it could have been anything, man. It could have been like you know he had a business trip or some shit, you know. Yeah. Because eventually Monsoon takes over. Yeah, but it's Dick and Cal for like two and a half years from this yeah. point on. Yeah, I, I, it could I, be a prism thing. It could be a prism thing too. Yeah, well, I, I, I've got a feeling that uh, Dick Graham is contracted to Prism, not to WF. Um, I don't know about Carl, Carl though. Um, but I, I remember reading that he was like, con- they were almost contractually obliged to have Dick Graham on right. the shows. That's he's, probably right. Because he's Cause on- Dick's there to the very end. He's there on the very last um, Prism show in '89. Uh, Dick's yeah. still there. I think I think he works for the. He either works for the network or he works for. Uh, the spectrum itself. I, I, I don't know what the deal is, but he's he's there with Vince. On he's even been with, there with Vince before now, right? Yeah. yeah and Philly, Philly yeah. has historically had all kinds of weird, wacky rules uh, regarding uh, wrestling and and various other. You have to have the doctor at rings. I mean, I, I was going to Ring of Honor shows where they still had to have a guy from the commission <laughs> sitting at ringside, who's just like you paid the guy off and stuff. It's it's. It's a very odd, weird town.
battered I couldn't tell what I felt I was unrecognizable to myself I saw my reflection in a window and didn't know my own face Oh brother, are you gonna leave me wasting away in the streets of Philadelphia Of Philadelphia. 